0: Welcome to Development's Entrepreneurial Lit Series Podcast. My name is Ade Takumba Oludare Thompson. You can say that 10 times fast. Entrepreneur, developer, and director of community involvement at Development. Development is a global 501c3 tax-exempt nonprofit organization that addresses the lack of black generational wealth through culturally specific entrepreneurial and financial education that empowers black college students to overcome socioeconomic barriers and build generational wealth. To learn more about development, check us out at www.development.org and follow us on Instagram at D-I-F-F-V-E-L-O-P-M-E-N-T. The goal of the series is to give you, the listener, the opportunity to gain insight into important business best practices and inspiring entrepreneurial journeys that inherently educate on the unique ways in which startups get started and the incredible level of grit successful business ownership requires. Before I tell you about our featured speaker, I would like to thank our official Entrepreneurial Lit Series sponsor, Kearney Bank Foundation. Thank you, guys. Please know the content you hear on this podcast, whether as a live audience member or a listener through any audio, audio audiovisual or other platform is for informational purposes only and may not be considered and has no intention of being considered legal, tax, accounting, investment or other advice on which you or anyone else may rely. Please note that the opinions of the featured guest and any other speaker are not and do not represent the opinions of development or any of his directors, officers, employees or affiliates. Now, for our phenomenal speaker, husband, father of one and another on the way, entrepreneur, Sullivan and Worcester attorney, black and white series creator, real estate investor, development chair, and former law firm and restaurant owner. He has a JD from NYU Law and a BS in entrepreneurial management from Wharton Business School. So
1: I would like to welcome. Two o'clock, hey! Da Ray. can we just give a round of applause for da Ray? Oh my God, I love da Ray. But when da Ray, when da decided to host, I knew it wasn't going to be normal. <laughs> so this is a dip wind down. He turned into a dip turn up. So um, listen, it's a, it's a big, 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 big honor to do this. Okay, I myself have gone through a lot of different things as an entrepreneur, learning so much, so much, and the opportunity to give the information that I've on given today is something that I wish I would have had before I had started my process, right? When it comes to entrepreneurship, I think that it comes from us wanting to put our mark on this world. I, I grew up with a mother that worked extremely hard, was never home because of how hard she worked, and I feel like almost on a daily basis she would say she wish she started her own pharmacy. My mom's a pharmacist. I wish I started my own pharmacy, my own pharmacy. And so, what bothered me about watching my mom do that was I saw her provide, but I felt like she wasn't living her life with passion. And all of us, I think, probably in this room, no matter exactly what generation you fall upon, there's something about you that says, I wanna do more than just make money, or past that. It's not like, oh, I just want to get this kind of apartment or this kind of house and be able to afford this kind of school. We're transitioning to something a little bit greater than that. As human beings, it's our desire. We don't like to stay still. We're always trying to do more. That's why when you make $100,000 a year, you're like, this wasn't that much bread. Then you get to $200,000, you're like, this isn't that much bread. It keeps going because we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. Talk to millionaires. They don't think they have money. Trust me. They don't think they have money. I'm serious. They really don't. So... We all want to put our mark on this world somehow, some way, because it's bigger than just making this money. So, what avenues do we choose to do that? We want to create. We want to leave something. Oftentimes, that means creating your own business, or whether it's a full-time business, whether it's something doing on the side. Everybody's trying to figure out how to build wealth, how to leave their mark, how to leave their legacy, and we're doing it through entrepreneurship. But the problem is that many of us are starting out with very limited resources. Even when we think we have resources, we don't have resources. In your head, you're like, oh, I want to start a restaurant. Okay, maybe if I had $250,000, that's plenty of money. It's not, actually.
2: It's actually not a good look at all.
1: But you're like, what, what, where I come from, 250 is crazy, right? 250 is crazy, we gotta make a work. How much does the sign cost? How much is the..." Well, come on, how deep is it, how, how are you getting to 250? Okay, go try to franchise McDonald's, see if, see if 250 is cool. They might be like, you got 250 liquid? Okay, so where's the debt portion? We don't know, we don't realize. We need a lot of resources to do this thing. And so I'm talking about in the context of, of, of monetary resources, but it seems like all the time we forget the legal resources. The most people are thinking about are is oh I guess I gotta form a company I guess I'm gonna form an LLC, and that's kind of where it stop, stops. And then they enter into their business and they're just getting busy, right? They put up their money, they, let's say they open up a restaurant, or they're starting a clothing line, or starting a nonprofit. They're just rounding their people up, getting things together. It's a bunch of informal relationships, a bunch of informal relationships. Things, nothing solid. Everything's kind of like if my man's gonna hook that up. My man, my man's gonna do my logo. He's gonna take care of me. I'm gonna give him hundred dollars for that. We're not thinking about just exactly how important it is to have these home relationships. Let's, let's take a step back. Why do people even have gray relationships? Have raise your hand if you've been in a gray relationship. Yeah, my hands up too when I do this. I've been in a gray relationship. I've been in multiple gray relationships. You know what I'm saying? Gray. Uh, gray. Not great. Well, you told me great gray. Yeah, she's like, well, oh yeah. Two hands. up now. Two hands. Put your hand up again. You've been in a great relationship all oh, right exactly Great and great. so think about why somebody would want a great relationship right it could be conniving it could be it could be a manipulation situation you know well you know i i i took you to meet my mom not because this was supposed to be a boyfriend and girlfriend thing, like you're not somebody serious, but it was on our way to the supermarket. (laughs) So technically that was like a stop and go. You could have been my man. So this isn't really a thing. Right? That's great. (laughs) I know we went to Valentine's day together, but that was during the day. (laughs) <laughs> you text me at 8 p.m. that night, I holler back to the next day. You should have inferred this was not a monogamous situation. Right, that's great. But what's not great, first date. So I don't date casually. Uh, so I would like to know if you're trying to do this thing seriously or not, or what's going on. Whoa. <laughs> if the person's running, that means they want to be gray. Why would you want to be in a great relationship? Why don't you keep it a buck and tell somebody what you need? I remember this because I had a conversation like that with my wife. <laughs> yes, she does not do great. Oh man. She hit me up one day after a couple of months of dating, and it was like, so, is this a like, formal things, why are you thinking anybody else? And I was like, mm, not really. <laughs> she was like, not really? I was like, yeah, not like, honestly, not really. Like, I mean, there's something going on, but it's like, what well, we got is. She was like, yeah, i think about that. Next day, cut me off, cut me completely off. <laughs> Woo, I've never been called like that in my life. Cut me off, no text message, check none of that stuff, right? She was like, this is gonna be black and white. And now she's my wife. Yeah, I, uh, she, Her standards were here, so I met her to her standards. And I'm so happy, she's the best, mm, I won't even get into that. That's another speaker series. Mm-hmm. But we do these great relationships, and they're not healthy. The other flip side of, of the great relationship is, you don't know you're in a great relationship. You thought it was formal. You thought you put everything down that you put down, but you realize it gets a lot deeper than that, right? So what I wanna do during this session is talk about a couple of different areas of agreements that we tend to see okay feel free to pull out your phones and take notes but we're going to talk about three agreements that are to me very crucial agreements as you pursue your entrepreneurial endeavors whether you are just an investor in a company like Kentucky right unless you invest in a company or if you are formally starting your own company i don't care if this is part-time or full-time we're going to talk about some key relationships one relationship is the founders agreement Another relationship is the investor agreement. And another relationship is a services agreement. So let me describe the founder's agreement. The founder's agreement is when you and your other business partner are coming together to form a company. You're the founders. You may have came up with the idea, that's fine. But it's more than one person that's running this business. So we're going to sparse through the different terms you might want to think about when you have a business partner. Okay. The investor agreement the investor agreement is I start a company I need some money or I need some other type of asset somebody's going to contribute that to my company in exchange for something from that company doesn't have to be equity everybody here's investor and assumes I'm talking about somebody owning an equity portion of the company I'm not talking about that it could be equity or it could be debt right it could be it could be debt it could be in the form of a revenue share it could be all types of stuff the idea is I'm not running the company I'm going to give something to the company in exchange my, the the goal is to get my money back or my asset back plus more, right? Then there's a services agreement. This is for individuals who have companies where they're offering some type of service. So usually an ongoing type of service, not something like, you know, I have a restaurant, I'm selling you a cheeseburger, right? That's, That's quick, you don't really need a formal contract with your customer in that context. But if you started a public relations company, landscaping company, county company, like you're providing kind of ongoing services where you need to have this ongoing relationship, that's where you have a services agreement. All right, so let's talk about the Founders Agreement. So under the Founders Agreement, one of the most important things to figure out, and so it's funny if you would never do this. Who is doing what? Seriously. Who is doing What? Because people will say, yo, I'm mad creative. I'm gonna handle all the creative stuff, bro. I got this. We're gonna come up with dope concepts. I handle the marketing. It's like, yo, and that person really is creative and really is gifted at that. So they say, okay, cool. Other person's like, I'm more calculated. You know, I'm gonna talk to the accountant. I'm gonna get that right. I'm gonna make sure we can afford the crazy events you wanna put on, right? I'm gonna wheel us in. And people say, okay, cool, bet. We're gonna do 50-50, 50-50. My man, let's get this thing started. Right? That's a joke. That is an utter joke. That is not detailed enough. You need to sparse out in such clear detail that my four-year-old son can read through it and be like, you know what, we good. It needs to be that detailed. Because otherwise, you think you're being formal, creating this relationship and writing down in an exhibit what that person is going to do in their LLC operating agreement. You think you got it all figured out? No, 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 no. You need to sparse it out specifically. Oh, you're going to handle the creative aspect of the company, okay? How many hours are you working a day? How many hours are you working a week? That person starts saying things like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm thinking like, I mean, I still got a full-time job. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. So how many hours are you thinking? Um, mm, Three, three hours a day, that's cool. Now we're getting somewhere, right? Now you're like, three hours. I thought you were gonna do like five, like we're doing three hours, I'm, I'm gonna put in six. Okay, so if you're putting in three a day and you're putting in six a day, even though you're doing something different, should the equity interest still be 50-50? I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. You gotta figure that out. But what happens is people don't deal with that until it happens, right? So you're in a situation where you're putting in mad work into your company. Mad work. Your business partner's kinda chilling. You know what I'm saying? They're like, yo, I put a post on Instagram. (laughs) Yo <laughs> I, I I did that for the day. I had to organize it, I saw the little cute hearts I put in there like, yo, so that shit it works. And you see them on the gram chilling that, you know, going out and you over here grinding and you're just like, uh oh, why my why does this feel uncomfortable? Because we haven't sparse out exactly what somebody needs to be doing. So listen, time devotion. How many hours are you gonna put into it? That's one thing that you gotta figure out. What area is that person going to cover in an objectively listed way, okay? So if you're gonna be creative, what does creative mean? I need it to be a situation where you're not doing your job and I can look at your description and point to where you're not doing your job. So if it's vague, I lose. I want a judge to look at it and say, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You have to think of it like this. I hate this person. I got into business with this person. I thought they were cool. I hate them now. Like I hate them. They cursed my mother out, right? They stole money. I hate them. The only thing I have holding me to protect me is going back to the contract to see what that person is not doing. And if it says creative director, and that's it, what are you saying, right? So we want a list of everything. That person's gonna hit on social media. Not specific enough. What social media? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. Cool. What if something else drops? Oh, and anything new? Cool, anything new that that person picks? Or anything new that you you pick as a company? Oh, mm, anything that person picks. You sure about that? Yes, cool. Are they gonna be taking pictures? Or are they gonna hire somebody to do the picture taking? Are they gonna be one of those amazing middle person? That's like, yo, I got everybody can do everything. Yo, I found somebody to post for us, right? I found somebody to come up with that copy. It's only going to cost us like, you know, $10 an hour. They're like, yeah, I'm responsible for marketing. I'm responsible for the creative side. That's what I do as a responsible party. You're like, nah, man, I didn't mean for you to find somebody to do this. I meant for you to do it. So you have to say that. That person is doing it. No other third party is going to be doing this without the approval of you. We're still We're talking about social media right now. I haven't even gotten deep into the situation. But that's how specific you wanna get in the to-do list. Okay? Sparse it out, like do not treat it lightly because people do treat it lightly. Now, can you write down this thing perfectly? Of course you can. Of course you can't write it perfectly. It's gonna be, someone's gonna come up and you're like, damn, damn, I didn't think about that scenario. Like maybe, maybe they should cover that. maybe I should cover that. Or it's, it's, it's it's in between, it's a little vague. What do you do? You go back to the contract, you change it. The contract is a living document. Never think that once you have a contract, you're stuck. It's foolish to do that. I talk to my clients all the time. A year goes by, I'm like, yo, how that contract working out? For development, I'm outside legal counsel for development. Right? They go through internship program. I'm like, what's up? How was it? Renze, you might wanna make these kind of, you know, these these, these do's and don'ts and the, the possibility of someone getting kicked out of a program, we gotta make a it little, a little tighter because this person did X. And that covers it, but I don't really want to say that this time. Like, i what's up, to stay say it this time. So we go back to the contract and we get it right. <laughs> you revisit the contract. It's not stuck, you can always change it. Just like it's not stuck, you can also ignore the contract. All the time. You're supposed to pay me. You don't pay me on time. There's a late fee, right, in the contract. You tell me, yo, I lost my mother. Can't make, I, I, I was. it was a bad time for me. It was rough for me, forgive me. I say, we ignore the contract, don't worry about the late fee, right? That happens all the time. Sometimes you might be arguing about something with the business that you have, the, the, your cell phone provider, whatever provider, your phone, bill, whatever it is, you might find yourself in situations where you just can't cover something. That's okay. Just because it's in the contract doesn't mean you have to abide by it. So like, don't get stuck on this whole, oh my God, we have to do what's in the contract either. Because you also can ignore it in terms of certain circumstances, but if you keep doing that, that could have implications. So you have to keep that in mind, right? Okay, another thing to think about when you have your business partner, intellectual property. So let's say you start a consulting company. And your business partner, who's the creative one, wants to design the logo and comes up with a company name. Right? Great. Your business partner designs a logo. a nice logo. Y'all rock with the logo. Okay, great. Three years go by, you guys are working. Business partner says, I love working with you. I do, but we making no money. I got a kid on the way. I don't mean no disrespect, but I got a bow out. My fallback to get me a buck fifty a year. not sounded real good to my baby mama right now, and I plan on marrying her. So I need to fall back. You being a good friend, you're like, I understand that. Like, yo, but, you yo, what? Yeah. Because I was affiliated with that, you know, Let's let's not use let's not use my logo. You're like, well, the whole business is based upon your logo. We you talk, which means like, like yo man, I hear you, but I don't want anybody researching me and finding out that I had this other previous company it's not gonna be a good look. So I'm interviewing for this gig. I already told him I wasn't doing anything. If you don't mind, fall back on that. You're like, yo man, you don't own the logo. Oh, thank you, my brother. You don't own the logo. Look at, look at this, look at this, Jesus. <laughs> really, bro? You're my man. Thank you. Um, he's like, yo, uh, you don't own the logo. It's not your logo, what's the company's logo? He's like, oh, oh, it's not? No, it's not. Based upon what? What do you say at that point? What do you say? <laughs>
2: say
1: it again. <laughs> 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 exactly. But what do you? I mean, I mean, we all knew what was happening when it was formed. But why is this person pulling this? It's like, yo, you really thought this was your logo the whole time? You would be surprised how many people find themselves in that situation where a business partner creates intellectual property for the company, and now they're like, that's my intellectual property. When did we ever assign my copyright of the logo to the company? Somebody point that out to me. Where where did we sign that, right? Where is the agreement that says, when I create this design, which by the way, the moment somebody creates a design is copyrighted, the moment, you don't have to file a copyright in order for the design to be protected. Right now, if I draw a heart with with my name in it, that is a Renze, it's a a copyrighted work of mine. Doesn't matter that you guys saw it. I could be in a room in a corner by myself doing this. The moment I finish creating it, that is my copyright. Now, I can follow with the U.S. Copyright and Trademark Office, uh, U.S. Copyright Office, right, to get it done, right, and have it registered. That way, if somebody uses it, I can sue them for damages. But we're not talking about suing for damages right now. We're just talking about who owns it. Unless you have somewhere in your agreement, that any intellectual property that's created for the company, whether by your partner, on behalf of the partner, or on behalf of the company, that that is a, really a work made for hire that belongs to the company? Mm, I'm not saying that it's not the company's, but it's not clear. It's not clear. So can you imagine having a logo that your business partner Right now, foreign business partners I to say you can't use after you done marketed that the heck out of it. What are we even talking about here, right? But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've seen stuff just like this. And you should make sure that anything that's being done for the company is owned by the company. I remember when my, my brother and I we opened up um, H. Lewis Juice Bar and Grill back in 2009 in Maplewood. and. I remember he was he had a uh, he had got the the name trademark, which I was very really impressed by, right? Because I mean most folks aren't really doing that. Like are you guys mm-hmm, good right? bro. He's wild, so like that's a huge thing man. You know what I'm saying? Like he's beyond, <laughs> my brother, like word, met got a trademark. Which brother? No, nah, no. Nah, I only got one brother. <laughs> so you got a trademark, so I was like, what's up. I was like, yo, um I own fifty percent of H plus restaurant LLC. He was like, Yeah, I was like, Yeah um do you own the trademark or does the LLC own the trademark? He's like, I don't know. I guess I own it. He's like, I don't. I'm like, oh, we about to transfer the ownership to the LLC. Of course, he didn't do that, right? But I did that. And he had no problem with that. That's my brother. Like, it's all Gucci. But at the end of the day, I wanted to make sure that my 50% ownership stake in the LLC meant a 50% ownership stake in all of the intellectual property, particularly the name. What is a restaurant without its name? A restaurant, (laughs) perfect answer, it's a restaurant. What does that even mean, right? So even though that's my brother, I still try to formalize things because that's important. Whatever you create, make sure it's documented somewhere, please, please make sure it's documented somewhere where the company gets that. And also, in law and intellectual property, other assets that you're using, your laptop, for example, is that the company's laptop? Whose is that? Your cell phone, is that the company's cell phone? What's happening? And you know, I got a friend just just a week and a half ago, you know, told me about a situation where him and his partner are splitting up and his partner has this really amazing computer they love to use for all their projects. And now they're kind of splitting up, not not splitting up in the sense of like they're not gonna be together, but but he's kind of going into one direction, he's going another direction as far as location. Now who gets the boss computer? Who gets that? They both use it. It's a very important computer for both of them. Who gets it? Now in the middle of that, they have to have a conversation about it. It's unfortunate. Okay, that's one, that's another thing. Continuing with founders agreements. What is your ownership in the company based upon. Why do you own your equity portion in the company? Why? Be very clear as to why. Let me give you a scenario that make this hit home a little bit more. So, the consulting company, say we're still working with, with the consulting company. The consulting company's been two years. That same business partner's acting a little funny about their logo. It's like, yo, I'm bowing out. You say, okay, cool. Peace. He's like, yeah, um, but I still get fifty percent of the business. Right? You're like, how is that even possible? You're not working on it no more. He's like, Yeah, I'm not working on it. I worked on it for two years. I found this our five biggest clients. I put our whole movement together. I'm supposed to walk away with no ownership interest in this company now? Why? Because I'm not working in the business? Do you have to work in a business to own a business? All of us right now. Put together $250,000. Go buy some stock in Apple. Is anybody going to expect us to throw on some all uniform color shirts and start selling some iPads? Of course not. Right? We own a portion of the business. We are not required to work in that business. Start entrepreneurs always forget that. It's it's, li- it's like doesn't it doesn't even resonate in their heads. They're like, yo, I can't afford to pay myself a salary. I'm paying myself based upon what I bring home. You gotta be careful thinking like that. You can own your company and not be its CEO. It's okay. You can own your company and not post a single thing online. You could own your company and not make a, if you're in a restaurant, not make a single smoothie, not make a single wrap, not make a single rice dish, ever. If I come in and I like your company and I wanna buy it and keep all y'all there, I'll buy it and keep all y'all there and go back on vacation. I don't have to do the work. So if you are basing your ownership structure off of sweat equity, and you don't have that conversation, you, don't, you have no idea what you own with your partner. You're clueless, you have no idea. Unless your partner's gonna be mad cool, and not, not savvy at all, and say, yo, um, I'm gonna depart, you got 100% of everything I've done, no problem. If that was my client, I'd say, no, 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 you will not do that. You will not do that. Maybe you don't deserve 50%, but we ain't doing zero. Absolutely not. Let me just, listen, I will, I will base my legal fees off of how much I give you. Like, we cannot do that, because that doesn't make any sense to me. What's going on? If your ownership is based upon sweat equity, you need to separate the ownership structure from a sweat equity perspective from a cash contribution perspective. Separate the two. They're, they're different. If the business is struggling, both of you guys are putting 50, 50% of your time, right? And it needs, let's say $5,000 to keep going. You put in 2,000, your partner puts in 3,000. Is equity ownership changing or not? Is that a loan? What is this? You can't just throw money out and, and just be in the trenches with somebody and assuming as long as you're basically on the same same page, for now we're good. No, you're not good. Because something tragic could happen to your partner. It could not be a voluntary move, okay? It could be a situation where you and your partner have a very successful business, a very successful business, and that partner got forbid it dies or something. Pa- passes away, That part, your partner maybe gets into a really bad car accident, it's incapacitated in some form of fashion, right? In a way that's just like, I can't believe this happened to my friend, right? And then his significant other shows up and is like, yeah, you know, we're trying to get these, you know, these funeral fees taken care of and you know, I just want to make sure we're still getting the 50%, you know, that Johnny was getting. And you're sitting there like, uh, of course. <laughs> whoa, 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 what do you say? You want to have that conversation? with them at that moment about what you think she should get or he should get after their significant other passed away? That's when you wanna have the conversation? (sighs) Okay, it's gonna be a very rough conversation. It's gonna be a very rough conversation because you're gonna be torn because you're gonna know from a business perspective that makes no sense because we're basing this 50-50 ownership over how much we're doing, but how do you figure out what we're gonna drop it down to now? So if you don't think it's 50, and even if he doesn't think it's 50, what should it be? 25, where are you pulling that number from? How are we figuring out that number? We have to think about it in a logical way. We can't just pull up a number like, ah, uh, 20 feels right. Maybe, if both y'all agree, but I'll be like, well, I 21. Why we stuck on what we need a zero at the end, and we five at the end, let's do 21.5. Like, what are we doing, right? Where are we getting this number from? We have to think of the number in a logical, meaningful kind of way. Otherwise, we're just playing games here. We're not doing business. This isn't business, right? This is a joke. This is gray. And if it's gray, then it's for play. Say it with me. If it's gray, then it's for play. Unless it's real, unless it's serious and it's black and white, we're playing games here, okay? You can be in a relationship with somebody. Everything's all fun and dandy. Uh, uh, she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh! And now everybody starts figuring out what this really about to be. Yeah, because the baby will make things black and white two seconds then. We need to know this. You married her or not? What's going on? You start doing... Oh, I wasn't pointing there, too. But it's like, uh, what's happening? Oh, you put a ring on it? No. Oh, you ain't going to be together? Why not? What's going on? Yeah, you will decide whether it's... Gonna, you, you're going to make it black and white at that point. And that's the same thing in business relationships. It's the same thing. Something's gonna happen tragically that's gonna make you say, oh, whoa. now nah, we gotta make this black and white because that was not cool. You know, you watching your business partners, people's come in and kinda get food for free or something. You just like, uh, who that? What's that about? <laughs> that's my man. man, you know, we gotta do that. as part, part of my creative marketing. Whoa, oh, oh, man, bro. Now we gotta act to the agreement. Can't keep out free stuff without everybody approving. But that's what you have to do. Cause a joker will do that all day. All day. You got a clothing line? Yo, throw my man that shirt. Like what you doing? Like he's nah, he's kinda popping local locally. Throw him the shirt. Right? Nah, put him on there, He's about to go before him. Throw him the shirt. It's all good. It's gonna come back. It's like, yo, um maybe the answer is you can do that, but up to a certain threshold. Right? You can give out two shirts a year can't get off 40, man. Let's tap it into the profit. I might co-sign you, but I need, I, need, I need rights on that. Right? That's big. Another one, founder agreements. Be very mindful of transfer options. Transfer op- options. Who you can transfer your interest to. Now, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it in the context, probably generally in a, in a limited liability company agreement. Right? LLC. LLC is probably one of the most frequently used entity forms out there. And people will ask me like, Renze, should I be LLC? Shall I be S corporation? Shall I be a C corporation? Shall I be a limited partnership? Shall I be a limited liability partnership? You're probably more than likely gonna fall into the limited liability company kind of bracket, generally speaking. But please don't just assume the LLC is what works for your company. Like just get off that a little bit. If you chose that, probably be straight, but don't assume that, okay? Well, I'm talking about transfer rights, I'm talking about in the LLC context, or in a co- corporation context, or in the S-corporation context, it doesn't matter what it is. The idea is that you have an equity portion in this company, and you want a right to transfer it. Now, if your business partner wants to transfer the interest to somebody else, should you have a say? Raise your hand if you think you should have a say. Raise your hand if you think you shouldn't have a say. All the handles up the first time, so somebody gotta think. Yo. Oh, thank you. He's like, look at this. Yeah, I'm getting hot up here. This business law talk gets you toasty. Um, so if I want to transfer a portion of my interest to my kids' trust, raise your hand if you think that I, that you should have a say on that if we were business partners. It's, left, it's less hands. It's less hands. Why is it, why do you think there's less hands? Because now first we're talking about transfer interests, You probably were thinking, well, you're trying to transfer to who? Who? Who you transfer to? Like some random person? No, 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 I want to know who you're transferring to. But if I'm transferring it to an affiliate, maybe it's different. Maybe I own my 50% interest in this business as an individual. But I spoke to my accountant, and my accountant was like, that's foolish. Keep saying you want to pass on your legacy to your kids. You own that individual. Why don't you structure something, make some kind of family LLC, and the family LLC owns all your different uh, uh, different businesses and sub-LLCs, and that LLC owns that consulting business. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yo, man, I wanna transfer my ownership from me as an individual at Renze Onuga to Onuga Enterprises LLC. I'm still gonna be 100% owner. It's just gonna be that. Should I, get you? should I need to get your approval to do that? Raise your hand if you think I should. Raise your hand if you think I should. Raise your hand if you think I should. Okay, raise your hand if you think I shouldn't have to agree, shouldn't have to get approved. Okay, if I was negotiating an agreement, I don't want your approval for that. What you got to do with my family structure? What you got to do with my family structure? I'm transferring to an affiliate. What's the big deal? You want to tell me that I can't transfer something to my LLC that I own 100%? What is the difference? What's the difference, right? There is—it's there, not that simple, right? I'm i old Dan, of course, but—but—but but, but nonetheless, an affiliate transaction should not be treated like a third-party transaction. There is a difference there. You might want to know what's going on. You might want notification rights if you are a complicated structure. For example, see—I'm talking about this in the general startup startup context, but I work in the private equity fund world, where people are establishing private equity funds. And we oftentimes represent the institutional investors investing in those funds, okay? Or sometimes we help those fund managers create those funds. So if you wanna transfer to an affiliate, usually the answer in these more complicated documents, but you have a variety of different types of investors, regular individuals are in the minority. It's Mainly a big regulated institution that might be contributing like 30,000, 30 million, 40 million, right, to it. You have um, sovereigns that are contributing sometimes 1 billion at a time to these funds. Right? As long as you don't mess up the partnership structure, you can transfer. Like, why why am I gonna stop you from from figuring out your trust in your family situation? That's between you and your family. What I don't want you to do is transfer to a competitor. So what happens is, let's say this person who wanted to leave your business says, listen, I'm down to get somebody else up in here to help you do this. He's better than me. He's better than me. Let's go with him, trust me. He's gonna actually buy me out how much do you think the company's worth? Let's so say you say I think the company's worth about five or Okay, he's willing to give me three hundred, so I'm gonna get three hundred. <laughs> he's gonna come in, and now it's gonna be you and him rocking out. That 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 involves a lot more than just being like, yeah, no problem, right? Who is this person? How do you feel about your per- how do you feel about your partner leaving and getting three hundred k? By the way. How do you feel about that? hmm You're proud of your business when you see somebody else get the bread and you not get the bread, you might be feeling a certain kind of way about that. You might be thinking, well, I mean, I mean, you got 300, right? it's like, you know, how about we do 300, and then you get 150, I get 150. <laughs> like, you know, I kinda wanna taste that a little bit, right? But, what's in your contract? What's your contract say about transfer rights? What's your contract say about transfer restrictions? What can the person do? Because the more you ignore those types of scenarios, they can possibly come up. See, these scenarios get really complicated, particularly when money gets involved. Before money gets involved, you know, everybody's all happy. And that's why I tell people it's really important to handle these types of issues before crazy money gets involved, and while everybody likes each other. <laughs> while everybody likes each other, everybody's in a good way, everybody's high-fiving, you know, you're watching your motivational vehicle motivational videos, you're watching Oprah, she's getting you right. You know, you watch the the, the the red table talk. Somebody says something. It's like, mm, that's why we doing this. Like, it was a whole thing. Like, this is, not, this is our vision. What we are meant to do. Everybody loves each other. Yes, that's when you start saying things like, okay, what if I want to transfer my interest to my LLC? You cool? The person's like, yeah, you cool. High five. Boom. Put it in <laughs> put it in the agreement. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know, what if I want to make purchases that are no more than a thousand dollars per month? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. High five. Put it in the agreement. You do it then, because everybody's on the right page. Okay. So that's found this agreement. I don't want to um. I don't wanna bully down finance agreement too much um, because I really wanna transition to this into investor agreements. It's really, 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 really important. Okay, really important. How many of you have been out there raising money for business? Okay, okay. Um, now, were you raising money for equity contribution or a debt contribution? Just yell it out. Both, okay. Both, okay. What kind of fundraisers are y'all? Y'all automatic? Y'all doing both at the same time? Like, <laughs> I gotta hear about this later. Um, okay. So, let's say. So, what would you raise money for? Uh, um, operational costs. Operational costs. For a nonprofit. For a nonprofit. Okay. Oh, so that's a little. Okay. Okay. So, are they expecting to return their money? Uh, or is it like a kind of donation? Any kind of donation. Donation. Okay. was raising money? To get for the investor to expect, uh, expect a return on their money. Okay, what company? What kind of company was it? A brewery. A brewery. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, and what's your name? Denise. What's up, Denise? How are you? She like, why he calling me up?
2: <laughs>
1: I promise you. I promise you. It ain't gonna be like that, Denise. I got you, Denise. So Denise he starts her brewing? She's like, listen, I got an investor in New York. I got an investor in New-, New Jersey. All I need is 100K. The New York investor's gonna give me 40. The New Jersey investor's gonna give me 60. Beautiful. They give her the money. She doesn't do any like filing with any kind of thing. She doesn't do anything per- like, formal, but she gets the money, handshake deal. Then uh, four years goes by. Brewie's popping, right? Brewie's popping. We're doing dip wine downs there every Friday.
2: <laughs>
1: They're having all types of specials, all types of happy hours. We're doing our numbers. We're doing our numbers, right? I'm saying week, right? Funny, right?
2: We're
1: <laughs> doing our numbers, right? It's all a community. we all a community. That's why I say week. Whoa, she's doing her numbers. She's doing her numbers. Denise is doing her numbers. She gives the investors back their money. Gives their investors back a 100% return. Mm. I've seen it. 100% return. That's are a happy high five Denise. Give her a great rating. She wants to do another brewery. Very excited to invest. Was what Denise did okay? Was that cool? Sure. No. no? Why not? Sure. She probably lost. Why not? Why not? Why not? She's like, because I just don't believe it's going to be okay. the you seem to be asking <laughs> <these> rhetorical <laughs> questions. I know the answer not. What Denise did is I. I L O E G A L. I L O O E G A L. It's illegal! It's illegal! She did was illegal. I'm sorry. I don't care if you gave, they gave get you money, you got money back. You know, you're doing your numbers 100% return. Great! Yo, you can't be out here raising money without abiding by both state and federal securities laws. You can't do it. You know how many people do that? All day. Like, This is probably the most violated thing that's going on, okay? It's worse than turning right on red. Like, it is, it is like, the amount of people I know who be out here raising bread and have no idea about state and federal securities laws is astonishing. It's astonishing. So, I'm gonna explain to you guys why that wasn't cool, okay? So, there's something called a security. Security is not an easy to understand word. You might think, oh, I get what security is, you know, it's for, for, for people who have no kind of business background in this arena. Oftentimes, securities are just described as equity interest. I own a portion of a business, right? Why is it called security interest? It's called security interest because you are basing the success of your ownership interest in that business off of the success of the owner that's managing that business. There's a difference. So, if you and I start a company together, and we're 50-50, and we're co-running it together, I'm not relying on you, it's me and you, right? So it's an equity interest, yes, it's an equity interest, but. I'm relying on myself to get this bread right, too. But if you come to me and say, I don't need you, I need your money. And I say, okay, and I pass you my money, and you try to turn that money into more money for me, it's a security interest. And I say that because people will say, oh, I let him borrow money. I ain't got a piece, I ain't got a piece no, 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 listen, listen. I borrow money from him. I written, say, you're old then That is not no security I, that's not a security interest. I will pay the person back. I got an IOU right here, it's a promissory note. It's written formally. I got a law firm to do it. I know it's official. I'm like, oh, okay, did the law firm tell you it was a security? Like, how's a loan a security? They, I, listen, the analysis isn't, isn't equity. The analysis is, if I give you the money for your business, and you use that money to do whatever you want to do for your business, they expect to give it back to me, and I'm sitting here waiting, watching you work it, that's a security interest. I don't care if it's a debt, I don't care if it's equity, that's a security interest. And once that happens, you need to abide by both federal and state securities laws. Now, just because you gotta abide by no don't mean you will abide by it. Like, we know this, right? We all have been at the light, and we're, 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 we're <laughs> rushing to work, and that light's like, turning yellow. We all know that means slow. And we and try to get through there and still turn red before you hit the crosswalk. You just like right? You keep going. Yeah, yeah, you should get a ticket. Of course you should get a ticket. Did you get caught though? No. You know what I'm saying? Just because you know it's wrong, doesn't mean you don't do it, right? We okay. My man's out have the other way here. I ain't mad at you. We've all done it multiple times. You know? So you find yourself in a situation where you know you have to do something, but you still do it. I'm not telling you any of this stuff so that you go have to do it. You can gotta do nothing. You can ignore all of this. You can keep relationships gray. You can not treat something like a security. And you may be perfectly fine. You may not get caught. But the moment you have that disgruntled investor that calls me <laughs> like yo, Renzi, I didn't get my money back. I'm like, well, what, what disclosures did he give me? Disclosures. <laughs> All he said was, I got you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, cool. oh, cool. how much money did you give? I gave you fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Did you get any like bank statements? Did you get any like updates any kind of quarterly statements? Ain't like, God, What did he t- What did he tell you was the basis of his um exemption from having to register this with the SEC? What are you even talking about, Renzi? What is the SEC, right? I'm like, oh. You have to get this bread. <laughs> You're gonna figure something out. He might, he or she might do a, a legal fundraise. Maybe we could do something with that. Did he give you anything? He, he said we will be successful. He said we will be successful? <laughs> he didn't say we believe we'll be successful? No, he said we will be Do you have that in a text message? I sure do. All right, come, come, come through. Let's see what we could do. You gotta be careful. When you are raising money, so now you're like, what is the law? How does this work, right? When you are raising bread, each state has their own requirements. And their requirements on a federal level. Okay? In the scenario, Denise for her popping brewery was raising money from New York and was raising money from New Jersey. Okay? She's crossing state lines. Federal government starts being like, up uh, oh, oh, you're getting a little too happy. What's going on? Stay in your state or you or you or you hollering at me, right? You're doing a little too much. You're doing a little too much. Stay in your state and you can bother with that one state. When you start crossing a bunch of lines, nah, 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 you gotta start figuring out what exception applies to me. Right? Because the federal government has an interest in its community. If the community is being duped into giving money to a bunch of entrepreneurs who ain't worth nothing, right? Ponzi schemes, issue, these things can really hurt people. Like There's a public policy legitimate concern about that, right? When, public, when companies go public, what does that mean? What's going public mean? Our shareholders, yes, yes. shareholders. No it's open to the public, public can invest equity in the company. That means your grandma, that means your grandson, that means your auntie, anybody can roll up and give their money, and as long as they have enough to buy at least one share, they're getting at least that one share. Public companies have crazy public filings. Crazy, very expensive public filings. Quarterly filings, annual filings. It's extremely ridiculous, the filings. What's so hilarious about the filings is that no one reads the filings. That's what's absolutely hilarious. Like, nobody's buying Apple stock and like, I'm about to read their 10K, and no one's doing it. Right, but government's like, we did our job, you don't wanna read, on you. But we gonna tell you how much everybody's making, we're gonna tell you how, how successful we were last year, we're gonna tell you some little conflict transactions that were a little scary. We're gonna walk, they have to give you a lot of information. Because you as an everyday person should be able to publicly access that and read and say, all right, I'm about to buy two shares. You know what I'm saying? That's public. So if you private, then what? What are you getting? Here you are, an investor in a company, you see what they do on the public side. Now, your homegirl's dropping a hair salon and she wants 50K, and she's not gonna prepare no 10K for you. So what do you want? People will just be like, yo man, uh, just walk me through the concept. Like what are we, like? just walk you through the concept? The person wants the money. You need to abide by the law. There are certain exemptions that you could rely upon. Okay, there's certain exemptions you could rely upon. I'm not gonna get into the detail of the exemptions if you want to talk to me afterwards. We could. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give a, a rough overlay of it so that I feel like I can leave you with something. Folks who are doing this right now, are gonna be able to talk to me after this. But there are safe harbor rules on a federal level, right? Which is under the Securities Act of 1933, where if you abide by those safe harbor rules, then you can basically raise in any state, and at most you just have a disclosure obligation in that state, as opposed to having to follow that state's specific rules. Okay, an example, of that kind of situation is rule 506 so rule 506 on the Securities Act which is under Regulation B of the Securities Act says a couple different ways that you can raise money without having to kind of abide by every every state specific rules right. and one is offering all of your interest to accredited investors Has anybody heard the term accredited investors yeah. all right all right so accredited investors, let me not get too specific on it. It's basically people who have enough money or institutions that have enough money where well, they probably got hire a lawyer to look at some documents, right? On the individual level, you have to make, I think, a good 250. And if you are married, then both of you have to make 300 and it's for the past two fiscal years, right? So it's like, if you make 250, you should know it, kind of thing, right? So, Rule 506 b says you can raise with only accredited investors plus up to 35 other persons. Which is just like they don't have to be credit investors, but they need to. They need to understand the investment issues. They need to be smart enough to deal with investment issues, and you have to determine what that means for you and how you determine that. Well, five hundred six c says you can raise the money publicly out here to everybody. All good. They have to be accredited investors only, right? Because that's a public. That's a public notation. You can put an ad out and say, "Hey, you know, I'm raising money, and as long as it's, as long as you're a credit investor, you're good to go." Ton, I'm simplifying this like crazy. There's tons of different, you know, rules and regulations around this. Um, you know, full disclosure to everybody here. You're like, listen, I'm not your attorney, right? <laughs> not your attorney. This is only for informational purposes only. The unique situation needs to be reviewed by a uh, the, the particular advisor, a particular business advisor, tax advisor, or legal advisor, okay? So I'm only giving this to you for information, so I'm covering myself. Is recorded, right, <laughs> I'm only doing this for informational purposes, so take it as information only, and it's advice on which you may not rely. Okay, got that out the way. All right, so so that's what you could do. Accredited investors are hard to find, so if you don't have a accredited investor, you might have to deal with what the state's law says. You might just have to, and those filings can be significant. You know, my wife and I, we formed a real estate fund. We had an a interest meeting for the fund in January of last year. And the goal was to raise about $50,000. And, um, you know, I ended up, we ended up getting into a situation where uh, we were a bit oversubscribed. A lot of people want to get down. You know, I do invest in real estate, people want to get down. So we raised, uh, ended up raising about 87500 right? Way over what we wanted to. You just want to do a single kind of asset flip, and that was that. And uh, we're still scheming on property. So if somebody's holding on property, holler at a rent say, please. Um, but when I gave people, when I gave people the paperwork, it was significant. It's not it was, it was not two pages long. It's very long. I tell my sister was like, they, she calls me Pookie. Poop? I don't know what you just sent me. Just uh. tell me with a sign. I know it's official. I know what you do. And I was like, that's what's up, says. I treated it as if it was a client raising a ten million dollar fund. Why well, am I treating it differently? Yo, oftentimes the people who have mad money in investing are way easier than doing the people who only got five thousand dollars trust me i've seen it yeah, yeah. it's the folks who, who it's their last dollar yep. that's going really put me through pain <laughs> calling <laughs> what's going on how how's the have to flip you about to even if i give you a 25 percent return we're not talking about life changing money yeah i know but i'm just saying that's five thousand. dollars <laughs> not gonna for my 401k it, listen i'm on the phone with an investor I'm about to invest 40 million He's like yo you know it's whatever like i'm not really it doesn't have to be a plus let's make it a b what <laughs> lightweight easy right easy because they understand, they understand. Folks who don't have that much don't, don't understand or they don't have much they're working with, they can't lose this money. So what happened, I talked to people not just, to, I don't say, look, read my complicated contract as soon as you sign by the deadline, line, I know you are hooked, right? It's in there, I'm protected. I still talk to people verbally all the time. I tell my clients all the time, I don't care if your agreement protects you. You better talk to that person. Cause they may not read it. Especially if they don't have a formal attorney on the other end. Act like that's your mom. And you'll be good if you love your mom. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you feel like you care about the person. That's how I talk to folks. I say, listen, man, let me explain something to you. Your wife got mad at you last time. And you spent all that money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> how much can you play with for real? i probably got like 20. Let's use 10. Yeah. And then tell her you could lose all of that time. And see her response. Oh, all right, man. Yes, all right, let me know what she says. I'm not saying not this until you do that. At the end of the day, like, I'm not trying to hurt you, man. This is a business investment. I can come on with a nice suit and wrap my sheet of what I've done and my investments, and you're like, your brother may know what he's doing, and he seems to be talking his talk. Yeah, okay, but I can lose your money. Anybody can lose your money. Big, big, big boys, big players out here play with M's and lose it all the time. Venture capital funds raise don't have a 15 billion dollar venture capital fund. I just reviewed a document for one. You think they're gonna make money on every investment? Of course not. Of course not. They invest in mad businesses and hope for like one or two to really pop. Like up, uh, there goes my IG. Boom, we good, right? Up, uh, there goes my Facebook. We out of here. You know how many IGs there were before? IG popped off. <laughs> so you'll be lucky. So the venture capital fund might be invested in eight businesses. What about that one person whose uncle was invested in that for like 300K? He lost his bread. So every time you put money in, it's I could lose all of my bread. So as an investor, these things you wanna think about. There's something called a tag-along rate. And there's something called a drag-along rate. If anybody watching my black and white series, on Instagram, you know about this a little bit. <laughs> My man. So, a tag along rate. Right. I'm an investor. I give you $100,000, right? As a result, I own 10% of your company. Million dollar company. If that's what you value to that. I believed you. Three years go by. You tell me, Arenze, I'm out. What you mean by? Yo, yeah, man, I'm gonna try something new. This was a good look. I'm gonna step into a different industry. You own 51% of the business, because you were the owner. So you're like, yo, I'm selling it to s and Peter. I know you're cool with them. Don't act like you ain't cool with them. I was there when you was talking about them. I know you believe in them. I know they're official. I'm like, yeah, but in that arena, like, like come on, man. You sell widgets. Like, they don't sell widgets. And Renze, I know, but they'll learn. I'm a coach there, I'm going to help them transition. But I'm done, man. I'm done. I just, I gave it all I could, so I'm going to sell my interest. So, what am I supposed to do? When I invested in that business, did I invest in that business, or did I invest in that person? I invested in the person. Can you imagine me pitching to you guys this incredible, I don't know, legal defense fund profit model that I think is going to be incredibly powerful in 2020, and all y'all buy into it, and then three years later, after I done marketed, gave speeches about it, spoke on like 18 diff wind downs about it, I tell y'all I'm out, and my man's gonna cover. Like, yo, Orenza, excuse me? What you mean? I'm gonna help the transition. Y'all, don't you trust me? You might trust me, but you're just like, yeah, but I like you. You know what I'm saying? I like you, it wasn't really about the concept was dope too, I ain't gonna lie, the concept was kinda dope. But, you, with the concept, is what to convince me to put in my 100K. But what do I say, what, what right do I have as a 10% shareholder to stop that? You won't put more percent. You lightweight. So what you do, you fall back? No, we don't fall back, absolutely not, absolutely not. We do a tag-along right. A tag-along right says, If you, as a shareholder of X amount, or you as a group of shareholders of X amount, X amount is usually 50% or more, try to sell your interest to anybody else, we get to join that sale. Because without that, what are we doing? Keep in mind, this right isn't a company owner right. Don't get confused by my hypothetical. This right is a shareholder right. You don't have to be running the company. Okay, I can get with Benson, right, can get with Chike, can get with Bado. and we can collectively have 60% of this business, and we want to sell. That'd be slick too. No, it's a shareholder right. As a shareholder, if another shareholder sells, or as an LLC membership interest holder, if another membership interest holder tries to sell, and they have this amount, I get the tag along, because I ain't trying to be left behind. I'm not trying to be left behind. That's a tag along right. Know that. The opposite is a drag alone right. Okay, a drag alone right says, here's a scenario. I'm running a company, it's a restaurant, I own 50.5%. I'll give it the rest out because I really need the money to raise cash. I find somebody who wants to buy the business. I'm like, okay. Wanna pay five thousand dollars for the business? I'm like, okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. It just got real. That's what's up. Let's sell it. The guy says, yeah, I don't want to to buy your interest. I want to buy everybody's interest. You're sitting there like, okay, yeah, but I'm, um, i can not control what they do. Oh, you can't, I'm good. Why well, I want to buy a business and have 49, point, like what am I doing, right? What am I doing? I want to own the whole business. So a dragon along right says, I get to pull everybody else. I get to pull everybody else, okay? If I have a certain percentage, I get to pull everybody else up with me, and make sense, all right? Okay, so, how much more time I got, guys? Questions. 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 oh, God, I didn't get to <laughs> Okay, all right, cool. So, so I'm gonna open up to questions in a second. Um, but I just wanna emphasize a few things. One is, the formality of a business is very important. And the formality of these agreements are very important. And I want you to take those extremely, extremely, extremely seriously, okay? Do not take them light, because they're actually necessary to help your business grow, okay? Things you're not thinking about right now will transpire in three, four years from now, and next year you know it's gonna be a disaster, all right? So I just hope you guys do that. If anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, I'm on the black and white series, it's BLKANDWHT series, and that's that. so I Questions.
0: Thank you, Arundhati. Mind you, hold up, don't go anywhere. That, you're, you're got they, people. I think people have questions. I'm going okay. to take a few questions. But let me say before we get into questions, this man also graduated from NYU Law, mm-hmm. JD. Mm-hmm. 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 This is wealth of information. It's just it's blurting out. It's just it's everywhere. So the <laughs> thing is, you got to understand when he's up here, he's just doing his thing because he's in the moment. And time is not anything, because he loves what he do. He does. So therefore, that might have cost us probably $50,000 to do a contract, God. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wait, time, whoa, wow, thank you. Whoa, time for questions, use this time wisely. I'm gonna take three questions, all right? So, one, I see one, two, okay, I'm gonna do that back, three, all right? Four. I'm gonna make it one more. Four questions. With that being said, you're also gonna have time to speak with him after for the networking uh, part of the Absolutely. event. Okay, so I'll start here. Ladies first. There you go. And um, let us know your name as well. Hi. Thank you so much for the for the
1: information. My name is Teresa. I just wanted you to complete the. Um, Services agreement, since so we have, we get to that point. Great question. <laughs> yes. go. Well, um, how, much, how much time do I have to answer this question now? Um, I get it, I get it. Um, so uh, with the services agreement, a couple things to keep in mind. I'll try to keep them really short. Yep. One is the payment terms. Please be very clear about your payment terms. When is the payment due, right? What happens if they pay you in all pennies? I want you to think about that. I know I know I sound funny, but I want you to think about that. Is, are pennies cool? Am I saying you say no pennies in the agreement? But if you're cool, if you're not cool with pennies, you say no pennies in the agreement. So be specific. The timing, when it comes, and um, if you have a late fee, when's the late fee payable? Is there a cure period for the late fee? Payment terms are crucial. Another one: no guarantee of success. I know a lot of people don't use this in their agreement. I had a client that had a, was a PR company. She does PR for really, really top-notch people. And she wanted me to take a quick look at her agreement. She said, Lorenzo, do you think this agreement is cool? And so overall, it's cool, but well, let's add this provision. I had a couple other comments, of course. But it was like, let's add this agreement about no guarantee of success. Because the client's gonna pay you for some services. And they're gonna expect to be on Oprah. Yep.
2: Yep. They really
1: are. These, these, these aren't, this isn't $20 a month. I'm giving you $5,000 a month to make me blow, to make me it, the it person in culinary arts, and I can't get on BET? It's been two years? Yeah, I mean, come on. They can't control the world. No guarantee of success. Put that in there. I'm not guaranteeing you success. Any representation to such made concurrently with this agreement, or prior to this agreement, or even after this agreement, no. No, doesn't mean anything. Don't make any guarantees, okay? So you want to do that. Think about the term length. Think about automatically renewing sometimes, you know? Is it a one year term, two year term? Do you want to do an automatic renewal? Automatic renewal is helpful to kind of keep things going, you know, um, and those agreements can get a little scary for the person who's paying for the services because sometimes the automatic renewal will be required if you don't notify the service provider that you want out within six months before the end of the term. It's like, yo, you're doing the most, but that's how people get, get trapped into those. I'm not saying do that, because I always think that's a little bit, Draconian, I might be OD'ing by saying draconian, but I think it's a little bit much. But you might want something to that effect, maybe a month, just to keep things pushing and protect yourself. You know, I'll be very clear on your time and your availability. People will text you, people email you, people will call you. You don't text back within 30 minutes. They feel like they're, you're playing them, they're paying you $3,000 a month for services. I, if I send you a text, I want to text back. You can text me all you want, but between five, p.m. and 9 a.m. the next day, you're not going to ever sponsor me. You feel me? Like, that's how you got to be. And put that in the contract. So they don't feel kind of funny. Also, I'm sorry. I know I'm going to me. I know I got a lot. But also, think about being the idea of the person cooperating with you and being amicable. You'd be surprised. I got a client. We got a deal that needs to close. The client's MIA. This deal needs to close by December 31st. And the client is MIA is December 27th. I don't know what's going on. What happens if the deal don't close? You gonna sue me because I couldn't get a hold of you because you wanna not have your phone, or you lost your phone, mm. or you're not responding to email because you just don't want to, or you changed your email, didn't tell me, and you're sitting there like, oh, I, no. You need to make sure you're cooperative with me and we're working on this thing together. You can't you can't just have a, a rude, yelling at you client and you have to just take it. There's nothing about them being rude. You know what I'm saying? So you wanna have that in there as a little bit of protection. And with that in mind, I say, I say that combined to the term because if you have a term, and you, and you decide so that you wanna have a contract where anybody can terminate the agreement at any time for whatever reason, then it doesn't matter. If the person's rude on, on Monday, you could terminate it on Tuesday. Sometimes it's like a 30-day window, right? But you can do that. But if you have this like mandatory one-year term and that's happening, it can be funky. Next question was, I believe, here.
0: right. Your name? Uh, good evening, my name is John. Uh,
1: quick question, what would be the Allocation purposes to raise equity or raise debt in your company. What would you loo- utilize those two? Because um, it's two different. Mm-hmm. And in process. Well, you pretty much. What would you use the equity for? Or
2: what would
0: you use the debt?
1: I think that um, the decision to make a offering that is a debt offering versus an equity offering is not always necessarily what you want to use it for, but more so what structure you want to have in your business. People always say equity is more expensive. People don't think of it that way because the equity you're not really paying for. This isn't a loan where I have this interest that's guaranteed. You do equity, lose your money, hey, you lost your money. But I think it's more so a matter of what you can stomach and what's on the books. If you're, already, if you're already 65% leveraged, then raising more debt may not be a good look for you. Right? If you don't want to give up more of your business, let's say you, let's say you have only 60%. And there's less and less and less control. The more you give, And once you reach sixty percent, you might say time to switch to debt. if We need more money. I want to give up more of my 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 ownership interest. So I I always tend to think it's more so a matter of what you want to do with it. Now I mean excuse me. What you um, what you can stomach as a as a business owner. <laughs> now I think also the amount of money can have a significant impact just generally. You know if you just need five thousand dollars to get you to do next week, you might want to just kind of do a, a debt on that, because you might be able to put that back real quick. You know what I'm saying? Instead of giving somebody a, a, a equity portion in your business, because you're just a $5,000 short, and you gotta pay this back in like a month, and it's not that deep. People shouldn't just be able to just grab portions of your company. People give that up way too easily. You don't value yourself. You don't value your business enough when you start doing that. You're scared to say my business is worth a million dollars. You know how many people walk into Silicon Valley to about them their business is worth $50 million and haven't made a dollar yet? No uh, many people uh, do that.
2: Well, it's the
1: idea, it's the concept is worth it. Exactly, so the concept, no great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we ain't making no guarantees. <laughs> I mean, Instagram sold for a billion before they made a dollar though. Maybe the person knew what they were talking about. But that's not always the case. And people walk in with awful confidence. So these VC firms have concepts that I'm like, that's whack. A <laughs> local dude on the block I wait Conference way better than that. And all he wants is 10 grand on a low, like just, can I get 10 grand? Like, you gotta stop devaluing yourself. But then walk in there <laughs> without no legal, legal person look at your documents, you will play yourself, okay? I say all that to say, yeah, but you still gotta get that brand to get that legal, legal review and get it right so you are looking impressive. And I really think that's 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 what I would look at more so, a little bit less what you're using for more for your stomach as a business owner. And your name. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Dijanae. I know we didn't get into LLCs because he was like, okay, we can get to that. But um, I wanted to know, is it, say if you have two businesses, is it best to have two LLCs or one LLC mm-hmm. and a DBA? I kind of need more follow-up questions for that. children. Sorry. Give <laughs> uh, me back the back mic, please. I'm sorry. No worries. Two businesses, can you tell me what the two businesses are?
2: Um, are they related? Yes.
1: Very much so? Very much so. Why are they two businesses? Um, I sh- so say the person started off with one, yep. and now it wasn't a location, but now you have a location
2: so you can another name instead of um, using
1: that person. What's the, lo- What what's it about a location that's making it a separate business? Why wouldn't Marketing. you just- Marketing? Marketing-wise, so- Okay. See if the first one was more support, no. so for adults, but the second one's for kids. Just, yes. we like wanted market. to separate it. Got Gotcha, great question, okay. So, um, I wasn't trying to like be extra with the question, I just, didn't, I just wanted to answer it uh, properly. So, uh, if you're gonna create a separate LLC, I don't think anything's wrong with that. If you think that the other business is so distinct, that it's worthy to have, uh, from a marketing standpoint, right? It's seeming different to the world because you want to communicate that. And like you said, you do that do with DBA. It's to me more so about the liability and also who might want to invest in the business. So let's say I absolutely love your like kids version of this. I love it, but I don't want to deal with adults. I don't think the movement is adults. I think I think kids are gonna make this thing pop in. And you need to invest in your business. If you have an LLC that's separate, then I can just choose to invest in the kids' portion and not have to invest in that. So it's also about your fundraising desires. If you think that might need to happen, then you might wanna keep that in mind. From a marketing standpoint, who cares? Who cares? If it's just marketing, who cares? But if you think there could be more liability dealing with kids, dealing with adults, which I think there is, Somebody sues you for something that happened in the kids' business, and your adult business is killing them, and all the money you make from your adult business could be up for grabs. Yeah. So, you could be distinct all you want, and DBAs all you want. you are suing the entity that does the business, which is the same entity. So, whatever the entity owns, it's owned and popular. On top of that, I would say, even if you do own an LLC, and somebody wants to sue the LLC, they could come for you too. Everybody's like, "Oh, if I form an LLC, it's all good." No, no. Uh mm-hmm. huh. Go ahead, go ahead, chica. Corporate veil. Vale. <laughs> Looking like a true Nigerian. Man. <laughs> uh-huh. Look at like you. Look at like you. What uh-huh. more? So, <laughs> so you better treat the LLC like a whole different person. You should have seen what I did in the bank. Two, two, like two three months ago, my wife was, was laughing at me. So for the, see if I shouldn't share this. For the fund, we have I have a couple different entities, right? It's the fund, it's the manager, right? And then we had another another LLC that's gonna buy the property. So I'm like, well, the money has to properly flow through all the channels, babe. She's like, so what'd you do? Well, I put cash in, the, the bank total was great. I put cash in the manager, okay? And I withdrew that cash and put it in the fund. That would do that cash and put it. The woman was like, why don't you just put the money in I'm like, listen, I'm an attorney, I got to do it right. <laughs> she was like, I have never seen nobody come in here trying to transfer things. She brought some other person over, because it was a good amount of money. She, was like, she brought some other person over, her manager, they make sure everything was okay. I said, sir, I'm an attorney. I want there to be a very clear trail. legal trail. Yeah, yeah, That's bro. how gangster I'm doing this. Because I don't yeah. want nobody to look at my records and be like, what was that about? That was a person use. Was- so. yeah. See what so I'm like, saying? Yeah. So I, I think... get away from a personal use type of thing yes. and take us out of the situation just in case they do sue. Absolutely. So do not treat your business and you as one person. It's a completely, completely, literally, completely different entities. It's not you. You want the business The business. is not you. Stop it, stop it. Treat it like a completely different person. And I treat the business like a stranger. That's how, that's how close I am to my business. They are strangers, <laughs> right? Arinze, you paid your personal money to fund this event. All right, yo, I need the money back. Even if I have to pay for the money. So what happens, I pay for something, right? I give the money to the business, the business pays you back. It's ridiculous, it's ridiculous, right? But how else did I pay for that? If you went on a trip at your job, what are they gonna say? Where's your receipts?
2: Receipt
1: and then what happens? You ain't getting no money back until you get receipts. Cause they don't like you. They don't know you, you ain't the same person. Yeah. Right, what are we talking about here? You can leave me tomorrow. I need my receipts. Yeah. This is business. So give me the receipt and then I will reimburse you. And that's how you should treat your own businesses if you start doing that. Don't do the whole, don't have no cash app man. Don't be the, like, the personally cash at me. If my LOC is not on that cash app, no, 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 no. So yeah, so it's about I think the marketing, it's about the liability. You might, it might be worth to separate the two just for liability alone, you know, if you think it's worth separating them. I always say, like, um, you can kind of grow with your business Sometimes You don't have to always keep things totally separate. Uh, you kind of grow. You start growing. You see that business makes sense. It's kind of flow. All right, maybe now it's time to separate. You feel me? Uh, be careful with doing tons of structuring and spending so much money on structuring, and then you end up not even liking the adult business. And then it's like, what happened? You know? Last question from this gentleman here. What's your name? How you doing? How you doing? My name is Armani. How you doing? Um, Just asking uh, when starting an establishment, like um, opening a a physical store or uh, a lounge or anything. uh, What are some reasons that they might that the that the town might deny you a a use permit? When establishing a what? Uh, a physical mm-hmm. store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, when my brother and I um, opened up the restaurant, at, at the end of the day, we didn't know that there were you know um well I didn't know he knew at the time that there were certain permits you have to get. So it's really a matter of going to the township and asking them what's required to open this up. Like I don't know the specifics of maybe a lounge. But you have to go to your local municipality and say, I would like to open up X. This is what I'm going to do. This is how long I'm gonna be open, right? This is how loud our music's gonna be. Anything that a neighbor could be like, what are they doing over there and report you to cause it an issue, you have to go to them and just ask them what is required. We have to get a particular license to offer food and beverage, right? And it's not just about offering food and beverage. Another question may be, okay, well, let's say, I want to have CD on the sidewalk. You know, is that maybe that's something you want for your establishment. It's not an automatic right because you have sidewalk space. You have to actually go ahead and get approval for that and do a license. And mind you, the license was like $125 in Maplewood, but it's a license. And if you don't do it, then they'll be like, oh, close this up and put it back, and then they don't like you. I always tell folks, like, whoever is the middle person that's allowing you to do what you do, like, go holler at them. Like, don't you do something in your town and then deal with it after the fact. They hate that. You go in, formally introduce yourself. We used to do this all the time, but I did real estate development work. A buddy of mine named Cornelius Crawford, he has a company called Crawford Customs, and he really taught me the real estate business. He taught me from like buying houses and knocking them down and doing, and doing new construction. That was my introduction to real estate. I didn't do the whole like fix and flip. I did the knock down and flip, and it was like, wow. And we the permits you need for that, kind of gangster. And we were in high-end areas, Madison, Chatham, Berkeley Heights, you know, and, we would go to the township like, what's up? We here. What's your name? How you doing? I'm a oh, you went to Wharton, too? Oh, that's what's up. You know, like we, we're, we're, we're working this relationship so we can know all the ins and outs on what to do there. And I recommend the same thing to you. You know, if you don't follow a particular city ordinance, they'll just shut you down. You know, or they'll find you. And then you're just on their black radar kind of thing. Let me not say black radar. You're on their radar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working I'm working the opposite of that these days, to be honest. You're on their radar, right? You're on their radar. So. I don't have the answer for that specific question, but start with the local municipality and I think you'll be good. With that being said,
0: And the way we do it in Nigeria, how we honor people and respect, we bow down. Thank you,
2: thank
0: you, thank you so much. This podcast series is meant to uplift not only you, the listener, but the amazing organization that makes it possible. Donate by texting Diff Windown to 44321 and help develop it further its mission of re-empowering people of African descent, one student at a time. Sign up for event and podcast reminders by visiting development.org backslash newsletter. Thank you and stay tuned.